0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to JJ Abrams and his extended bad robot universe. I am your co host, Matt Crandall, here with Marcelo in as we are deep in the jungle on Lost Season 2. Today, we are going to be talking about episodes 17, 18, and 19, which get deeper into Locke, Hurley, and Bernard and Rose which seems appropriate for our first episode today to be Lockdown, an episode that is very Hatch and numbers centric, seeing as this is our 42nd episode of Radio 815. So Marcelo, Lockdown is a lock episode that includes some big moments in the Hatch. What did you think of this one?
1: I particularly love episodes that put characters in enclosed spaces. And I really love this episode because of two reasons. I love everything in the hatch, but the selling point of the episode for me was the flashback of Locke finding out that his father, who the last we heard from him, uh, stole a kidney from him. In this flashback, we find out that his father passed away. And a couple days after that, Locke finds his car following him around. And it turns out that his father faked his own death because he was in debt to some individuals. And he somehow convinces Locke to help him solve this issue. And as a result of Locke helping him resolve this issue, for I don't know what goddamn reason, he ends up losing his relationship with Helen. In the meantime, in present day, in the hatch, Locke, for some fucked up reason, starts messing around with one of the speakers, and that causes a temporary lockdown in one section of the hatch. I think it's the section where the dining room table is. And Locke has to enlist the help of Henry Gale to lift up the blast door. Once they lift it up, Locke gets trapped underneath it. I thought that this episode was very, very good because it showed how Locke's good nature and trusting nature can backfire on him, and and it, and it really shows us how... Crappy a life Locke has had just because of his ability to trust people in his life. So I found that thoroughly enjoyable watching Locke suffer because of his dumbass decisions. Yeah, it is
0: satisfying. And I love the backstory where we find out more about Locke's dirtbag father, Anthony, who's just such a jerk. And now we know on a bigger scale, you know, not only did he con Locke and steal his kidney, but he's actually conned other people out of we find out 700 grand and he fakes his own death so this guy is not a good guy in any capacity and him faking his death and then having the gall to come to john and try and get him to retrieve this money from a safety deposit box is so infuriating because finally Locke is in a good place where he forgave his father at the funeral he's ready to move on him and helen are in a nice place, and Locke is preparing to propose to her, but everything starts to fall apart because his father has this hold over him that he just can't let it go. And in those final moments where Helen refuses the proposal, it is so heartbreaking, and Locke looks like a broken man, and his father just stares at him and then gets in the cab like a piece of crap and drives off. And then we see an oceanic flight fly overhead foreshadowing some of Locke's future but this whole flashback was really fascinating to me Terry O'Quinn is so good Katie Seagal is so good the acting is so on point and it's frustrating because we just know if this guy could get out of his own way and not care so much about this deadbeat dad his life would have been so much better but there are a lot of people in real life who carry that same baggage As John Locke, who are seeking that validation from a parent, even when that parent doesn't deserve that spot in their life. And they just keep trying to please them, even though it's a fool's errand. And it's really crushing to see how that gets to Locke. And then in present time, it is literally crushing as Locke pulls a Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens where a dude gets crushed by a door. That was really interesting because we get a lot of Locke and Henry Gale together where we still aren't sure if Henry Gale is on the level because at the same time that all this stuff is going down in the hatch, we are cutting between. Saeed and the team have found that the balloon is where he said it is. They just didn't see it at first. They've discovered the balloon. There is a grave. So now we're having doubts that all these previous episodes last week where Michael Emerson is giving these kind of Hints that he might not be who he says he is. And in the first half of this episode, we actually see all the stuff that he wrote on the map and that he told them is starting to check out. So I had a lot of questions. Were you ever convinced, Marcelo, that maybe Henry was actually on the level at the start of this episode, or were you still pretty sure that he was not?
1: The first time I saw this episode way back in the day with my grandmother, I really inhaled the bullshit that Henry Gale was feeding us Michael Emerson isn't too much of a imposing figure when you look at him just these looks that he gives and everything that he says he's playing Locke and everybody like a fiddle and I find myself enwrapped by his particular performance just because I know what he eventually does to a lot of our losties and you might call me an evil person but I can't wait for some shit to happen um (laughs) Because Michael Emerson is like a cobra waiting to attack. And, you know, he's just biding his time. And I I couldn't be loving his performance uh, that much more. To back up to one of your earlier points, when you said that Locke was looking for validation, I really identify with Locke's. Want to be wanted by his birth father because I went through something eerily similar uh, with my birth mother and granted my birth mother wasn't an asshole she had the foresight to to put me in the arms of a loving family and somebody who who took care of me but I could identify with Locke's want to be wanted by his birth parents. So I just wanted to say that before I forgot it.
0: No, and that's what I figure that they put something like that in because of people like you that they know this has happened to them where they actually can totally identify with Locke's situation. And it's interesting when you see parallels that, mirror your own life in a show and certainly can make you more invested as well. The big bombshell of this episode, I think are twofold. The first one is that when the hatch starts to go into this crazy lockdown, I start to panic and I'm like, what is happening? This is nuts. It goes from eight to 20 when Henry goes to input the numbers as the alarm is sounding and Locke is trapped and the power cuts out and then the black light comes on and we see on the back of the door that lock is trapped under is a black light map that shows what appears to be like a lot of the stations it has tons of scribbling and writing all over it this was one of those oh shit mind-blowing lost moments that the second this episode ended jumped on the internet to find the people who had gotten the screen grabs analyzing every second and every spot on the back of that door to figure out what the hell is going on so that was a classic lost moment where you know the lockdown of the hatch is crazy enough the fact that the hatch even exists is crazy enough but then they throw this other wrench in and say yeah you thought that was crazy check this out and it's like wow there's a lot of clues and weird stuff hidden here that we had no idea about and then we go quickly from that to saeed returning and saying this bastard isn't who he says he is and henry's like what 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 do you mean and he says yeah we found the balloon we found the grave your story was checking out but i called bullshit. so i dug that grave up in those moments you're like oh my god saeed yeah way to go they show the driver's license of the real henry gale and. That was such an awesome ending where finally, you know, in that moment, we definitely know that this Henry Gale is not on the level. And it offered so many more questions that I just remember, like the weight between this episode and the next one was excruciating because this episode really raised the stakes, letting us know that Henry is not who he says he is. And with that map on the door. It just expanded the mythology and questions of Lost big time. No,
1: I think that the character of Henry Gill is like... A string on a piano. And with every scene that he's in, with every person that he interacts, he gets that string on the piano tighter and tighter. And at this point, I'm just waiting for him to show us his real face. Going into this rewatch, I knew that I was going to forget some stuff. But I knew that I was going to remember some stuff. And I'm re- I'm finding it really hard to... Not get ahead of myself here and stay present because I like these characters so much and I like what happens as the show goes on. But I couldn't be more happy with the ride that uh, we're currently on.
0: And speaking of real face, I did want to call out the fun B story about Poker Faces where Jack and Sawyer play poker because Jack needs to get the medication. And with all the heavy stuff going on in the hatch and the stakes of everything with the Henry Gale storyline, To have that B storyline just be a -a mono-a-mono Jack versus Sawyer, good guy Jack trying to do the right thing to get the medication that the people on the island need, Sawyer being the bastard holding it. I love that because having Fox and Holloway together in scenes is always really dynamic, but this one where Jack really sticks it to Sawyer was super satisfying and really took out some of the tension in a nice way because that counterbalanced the heavy seriousness of the rest of the episode. Which leads us into our next episode. Usually the Hurley ones are the comic relief. This one, episode 18, entitled Dave, is a lot more serious than normal for a Hurley flashback episode. Marcelo, you remembered and... I mentioned before, I wasn't sure if Hurley was a patient or what had happened when we watched season one. In this, it is about Hurley's time as a patient at the Santa Rosa Mental Health Institute. Marcello, what did you think of Dave?
1: This episode hit me particularly hard because like you just mentioned, in one of our early uh, reviews of Lost, I, I remembered that Hurley was in a mental institution and watching one of my favorite characters basically go nuts and question his sanity was really really heartbreaking for me the most heartbreaking part of this episode is when he figures out that Dave this guy that he thought he knew uh, while he was at the sanatorium was a figment of his imagination and Hurley ultimately goes nuts And he attacks Sawyer, and because he attacks Sawyer, he, you know, packs up all his crap and goes to live in the caves because he wants to get away from everybody. I thought that his final conversation with Livy at the edge of the cliff had my heart pulsating and had me almost in tears because... Hurley is convinced that everything that happened on the island is one giant illusion. And if he just jump off the cliff, he, he would wake up in the sanatorium and be in real life. And as Livy is trying to talk him out of committing suicide, basically, Hurley says, if this was real, there's no way in hell a girl who looks like you would fall for a guy who looks like me and that particular line hit me hit my heart like a ton of bricks because as you guys know i was scorned by a young lady who shall remain nameless but i went through a similar emotion and i was blaming myself for a long time and i was trying to fix myself for a long time to be good enough for her and it took me so long to figure out that it's not about her and it's about being happy with myself so in that one scene with hurley and leaving at the cliffs all these emotions came back and that's why this episode is my favorite of the batch that we're talking about today
0: yeah i think the way that it can hit home for a lot of people because it is that thing where we love hurley at this point you know he's funny he's charming and for him to be so down on himself is very frustrating to see and those final moments with Libby especially where you know mental health there's such a stigma against it and it there shouldn't be it's one of those things where a lot of people refuse to get the help they need and you hear about suicide rate and all this stuff that's very disturbing that you just wish there was less stigma attached to it and in these moments where Hurley is convinced that if he jumps off the cliff he'll wake up in the institute again it's so frustrating, but yet relatable and believable that, yeah, those moments with Libby pull at your heartstrings and yet doesn't feel forced, doesn't feel manipulative. And we just want Hurley to be okay and realize that, you know, this guy is such a likable guy that it it sucks that he's so down on himself. So I think that is something that a lot of people can relate to. And it's tough watching this character that we like so much struggle so hard, but the end of the episode is really sweet. And I do like those final moments where she says a girl like me could like a guy like you. It's not impossible. And they do kiss and that's a nice tender moment. And then we get the bombshell earlier. Hurley has said a couple of times that he kind of vaguely recognizes Libby. And then we cut back. And I think this is one of the very few episodes that ends on a flashback to that moment where Hurley is taking the picture with Dave. The picture that the psychologist used to prove that Dave was in his head and not real. And we pan over and we see Libby is actually in the same institute as a patient. So that was a nice twist. So there's still some implied backstory that we don't have that may fill in some big blanks. That definitely got me thinking like it's interesting that these two have a backstory connection and it might be something deeper than just one of those happenstance, crossover, backstory moments. Like in the previous episode, we didn't mention it, but there was a scene with Locke and Nadia. So this feels more substantial than that backstory crossover. This feels like this information has to come to light at some point, but at this time, we're not sure how that's going to play out.
1: I wanted to ask you, Matt, do you think that final stinger in this episode was just a punch in the gut from the writers to the audience? Because... I didn't remember the final signal, and I was like, wait a minute. I don't remember that Livy was in the sanatorium with Hurley. So I was like, is this the writers just messing with us, or does this lead to something else? But like you said, I don't remember. But with that being said, I do know something that's coming with their relationship and that's heartbreaking we'll talk about that when we get there
0: there's definitely more to come between them and that will be interesting and yeah i don't remember that small detail the other main storyline involves you know they got that supply drop but also in the hatch now Now that we know Henry is not on the level, he starts trying to explain away his story where he says, oh, yeah, Henry Gale was this guy who he died in the balloon accident. And then Saeed's like, well, I have a note here that he wrote after the crash. So you are feeding us more bullshit. And I love those moments where Henry thinks he's so smart. And then Saeed counters and says, like, we got you. You are found out and I am smarter than you. So I loved that. And then towards the end, there is the bomb where Henry says he is done lying. And he says that he never put the numbers in the computer to lock and Locke is like, excuse me. And he says, look, man, I went, the countdown was over. The hieroglyphs started showing and then it just reset. So this timer thing is nonsense. It doesn't matter. And now Locke, that adds more doubt in his mind because He's been wavering a bit in his faith about pushing this button and whether this is actually something that has to be done or not. And he's been wrestling with it. And for fake Henry to tell him that he didn't put the numbers in and nothing happened is really starting to shake the foundation of Locke even further. So now he's physically injured and kind of emotionally injured in those same moments, which I thought was really interesting. The Locke. Jack, power struggle dynamic is still building, and still, you think by the end of this season is going to have to come to a head?
1: No, I think by the end of the season, it's going to shatter completely. And the thing that I like about Fake Henry, to use your term, Matt, is that for some reason, all throughout this episode, I was thinking Kaiser Sose, Kaiser Sose. And I have no idea why that name was running through my head. But then I started thinking about it and I'm like, Henry Gale, the amount of bullshit that he is feeding our losties sort of compares to Kaiser Sose's uh, interrogation in the police station. If you guys have seen the movie that I'm referencing here, Usual Suspects. The, The other thing that I like that Henry Gale does is that he tells Locke, he puts that question in his mind, like you said, is it really important to push the button? And if I don't, what will happen? Also, that line from Henry sort of confirmed to me that this whole hatch thing was a social experiment by the Dharma Initiative. When Back in the day, Matt, when you saw this episode and Henry said that line to Locke, what were you thinking? Were you thinking that it was a social experiment or did you think that Henry was having some more fun at Locke's expense?
0: I really wrestled with that because the side of the coin where everything that we've seen from Dharma implies that maybe this is some sort of psychological test has been really a theme that Lost has been exploring. And if anybody else had given us this information that they didn't enter the numbers and nothing happened, I would be happy to believe it. But it's, coming from a character who has been proven to be an untrustworthy liar. So I think in the back of my mind, I'm thinking this is all manipulation for Henry to get one over on Locke. And maybe he really did enter the numbers. So it is a Kaiser Soze parallel for sure, where I'm just like, you know what, if this info came from anybody else, I would buy it. And I would think that that explained the hatch as being a sociological experiment. But because Michael Emerson is the one who told us that I still have to call bullshit.
1: No, the other thing that I found interesting is that when Henry didn't push the button later on, our our losties find these packets all over the island with uh, parachutes. And I'm like, okay, so if you don't push the button, your reward is to get food. I'm like, that's just weird. And where is Desmond? Come on, where is he? He's been gone for like weeks. Where the hell is he?
0: Yeah. Desmond is still MIA and that weird food delivery during the lockdown raises more questions. But still, where is Des? And you're hoping that you'll find out soon. We don't find out in the next episode, which is episode 19 SOS, a Rose and Bernard flashback episode Two characters that we have enjoyed on the island. I don't know necessarily that anyone was dying for their backstory, but we get it. And we do find out that Rose and Bernard actually got together when they were old. So this whole time, I wasn't sure if they've been together for like, you know, 50 years, but no, they actually met as older people and then fell in love. Marcella, what did you think of SOS? Were you happy that we got a Rose and Bernard story? Or were you hoping that we would have got more information about some of our more familiar characters?
1: To sort of surf off of your point, I wasn't particularly happy that we got a backstory on Bernard and Rose because I was hoping that we would get more progression with the main through line story of the season, which is, you know, Henry, Gale and hatch. But with that being said, it was nice to know that Bernard and Rose actually met when they were elderly. I just found their story to be pleasing. But uh, not, you know, you know, not much more than that. The only thing that their story sort of solidified is that for me sort of solidified is that some creepy ass shit happens on this island. So, if you know, if you were watching this show back in the day, this episode really punched you in the face with some weird shit happens on this island. And... Nobody knows why. So, so that is the one thing that I took away from this episode, uh, if I'm being honest right now.
0: Yeah. I thought the flashbacks were fine and it was interesting to see that Bernard and Rose met when they were older, they fell in love, but Rose is sick and she has cancer and they go to a faith healer in Australia, which tells us why they went to Australia. We find out that this guy, Isaac says that he can't heal her because he he's just not in his power. But he also can somehow get a read that maybe like the psychic who put Claire on the plane, maybe this guy knows that something else is in store for Rose. And we find out that Rose believes that the island has basically cured her of the cancer and Part of the this, this storyline on the island is that Bernard wants to make this big SOS sign because he's realizing that a lot of people are complacent in living on the island and he wants to get rescued. And through the runtime, we find out why Rose doesn't want to be rescued because she believes that the island cured her cancer and that if she leaves, it'll come back. And she says that she can feel it, but also the other evidence she has is... There's a scene where she's talking to Locke early and asking him about his injury. And he said, yeah, Jack thinks it's going to be, you know, six weeks until I'm healed. And she says, yeah, but we know it's not going to take that long. You and I both know. And Locke gives her a look like, yeah, yeah. And we still aren't sure. If she explicitly knows about Locke's past until one of the final flashbacks, which is her and Bernard waiting for the plane at the airport, she drops a bottle of pills and John Locke in his wheelchair picks it up and gives it to her. So this is the first confirmation of another passenger on the plane knowing that the island has healed John Locke because he doesn't tell it to a lot of people. So that was the most interesting part of the episode was that any mystical powers that the island has, we now find out are not exclusive to Locke because Rose believes that it cured her cancer. So there is more at play with the powers of the island that we're still not sure. But that being said, at this point in the season, that backstory and A lot of the themes happening are not necessarily where I wanted the story to go because so much other stuff is ramping up. This does feel like they pumped the brakes quite a bit on the main story just to get us a break before the final, you know, five episodes really have to start paying off a lot of this mystery that they set up. The on island stuff that's not Bernard and Rose centric involves Jack and Kate going off into the jungle. And getting caught up in the net. And Kate says that she regrets kissing Jack. And that addressed, you know, your big issue a few episodes ago where you were so frustrated that Jack and Kate shared that weird kiss. And this is a much nicer dynamic between them and really addresses that and addresses the fact that Jack has been lying to her about the hatch and Henry Gale. And I thought that that was fun and sweet to see Jack and Kate get some bonding time on screen. To surf off another one
1: of your points. um, I did like the handling of the Jack and Kate, sort of the progression of their relationship. Because like you said, Matt, their first interaction, their first kiss in the jungle really, really pissed me off. I thought that could have been handled a lot better. So that's why I particularly liked the writer's sort of redo of the Jack and Kate relationship and with that being said i did find uh one of the final shots of this episode to be really cool when jack basically finds the area where he met mr friendly and his other compatriots for the first time and he starts shouting and the camera starts spinning in a circle as jack gets louder the camera starts to spin and spin and spin and spin so i did like that sort of editorial choice Uh, from the director of this episode. So I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, that was an awesome shot. It's like a Michael Bay 360, but sometimes movies or TV shows do that and it can be nauseating, but here it's such a tight shot of Fox's face and the depth of field is so shallow that the entire background is blurred. So while we're doing this sweeping 360 multiple times, It doesn't make you feel sick because it's such a tight close up that it really worked and added that dramatic disorienting tension when Jack is screaming, trying to get the others to reveal themselves again so they can try and maybe make a deal to get Walt back. And I thought that was a really nice dramatic moment and the camera work was fantastic. So that definitely deserves a shout out. The other cool things that happened on the island, we see Echo building the church and Charlie's helping him. So that was cool to see what Echo has been doing because we saw him gathering some materials, I think, last episode. And now we find out it's because he's going to build a church. That obviously ties in with all of his stuff that he's been going through with his faith and his brother. I also liked, surprisingly, and she's only been in like a few moments in these last couple episodes, but I've been starting to find that they're giving Anna Lucia a few more likable moments sprinkled throughout and she has a small scene in the hatch with Locke and like I'm starting to like her more which I don't know if it's anything really that they're doing or if it's just that they're using her so lightly that she's not being super abrasive and annoying or it also could be that I'm re-watching all the Fast and Furious movies so I'm starting to warm up to Michelle Rodriguez again but I start to think that they're making Ana Lucia a little bit more likable. And then of course the end cut to lost moment of this episode is Jack and Kate are in the jungle and somebody comes running out and we think maybe it's going to be one of the others because they want to barter this deal. The guy passes out, they flip him over and it's Michael end of episode. What did you think in those moments, Marcella, when you saw that it was Michael who had just passed out in the jungle
1: back in the day? I had no recollection of what was happening behind the scenes, so I didn't know that Michael, the the actor who plays Michael, was, you know, sort of wrapping up his storyline. And I, I really was like, what? Who is that? And when it's revealed to be Michael, I'm like, oh, shit. Back in the day, that's exactly what I said. And my mother, you know, if my grandmother was still here, she would confirm that fact. I was just amazed that it was Michael. But on that same note, I was like... During this rewatch, I'm having fun, but I like I previously said, I do find it somewhat frustrating that I still remember key points of key seasons, and I know exactly where we're going. I just want to get there to get to like the meat of the last five episodes.
0: Yeah, and we are getting into the meat of the the final couple episodes of the season. So if you are watching along with us next week on the pod, we will be talking about episodes twenty. 21 and 22 as we get into this home stretch of the second season of lost if you guys have any comments for us hit us up on twitter our handle is at jjuniverse 815 or tweet using the hashtag radio 815 and shout out to at mike planner on twitter for the tweet about our truth bombs that we were dropping in our episode 39. Thank you very much for checking us out. If you want to get in touch with me, I am on Twitter at Matt Crandall. Marcello, where's the best spot for them to get out to you?
1: I am also on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88.
0: All right. So we appreciate everyone for listening. We are having a lot of fun and can't wait to continue this lost journey in the next couple of weeks as we move deeper into the island. Thanks a lot for listening. Until then, Radio 815 over and out.